Hey everyone, you're listening to Geek Girl Meets with myself, Kathy White from Geek Girl Meetup UK. And after a little bit of a hiatus, we are back. That's my fault. I'm sorry. I've been really busy. But I'm back and I'm joined by Amali de Alwis, who is the CEO of Code First Girls. Amali, thank you for joining me. Thanks very much, Kathy. Lovely to be here. Yeah. So uh, it's a bit of a miserable day, but... Um, I know. Yeah. Slightly drowned on the way in, but that's okay. Yeah. We're drowned, but we've got coffee, so it's all good. Now, I think for the benefit of everyone listening, it'd be great just to start with what is Code First Girls? Sure. So Code First Girls, we're a social enterprise. We have one end goal, and that's to get more women into tech and entrepreneurship. Uh, We do this in a few different ways. We run training courses. We run a community of around 3,500 women now. And we also do advisory for companies around tech talent recruitment and retention. Um, So lots of different things. And we work with companies and we work with women as well as in companies with just tech stuff generally. Um, So all of these different things, the idea being that you encourage people to hire outside of their usual set, but also help people to get the skills they would need if they want to move into tech or want to develop their careers there. So, of course, everything you've just said is something that we absolutely love at Geek Girl Meetup UK, which is why I was really, really keen to get you on the podcast. And not just to find out what you're doing with Code First Girls, but of course to find out about the woman, the CEO behind (laughs) Code First Girls, uh, which of course is all part of what we do here at Geek Girl Meet. So we want to know about you, how you got to where you are, and, you know, what, what kind of inspires you on a day-to-day basis. But before we do all of that, um, my favourite question to ask, because I've had some really random answers to this and I love it so much, is when you were a child, when you were a teenager, what did you actually want to be when you were growing up? I, I really wanted to be an astronaut. Um, like I, <laughs> and I'm saying I really wanted, I really wanted to go to space camp. Um, there was a point in time I was a bit of a geeky, well, I was a very geeky child, so um, where I had memorised all of the different planets' distances from the stars, and I could kind of recite off the different types of star classifications and stuff for you. So I, I, I would. To be, to be fair, I'd still like to be an astronaut, so I'm waiting for those virgin flights so I can <laughs> head into space and fulfil my dreams. Yeah, get on the phone to Branson about Virgin Galactic. Absolutely. <laughs> so this is actually quite interesting because um, Gemma Milne uh, right. from Ogilvy, who did yes. our first ever Geek Girls podcast. I know Gemma well. Exactly. Yes. Oh, really? She wanted to Maybe be an astronaut. Maybe we can go into space together. <laughs> yeah, you should. I'll do a message her in a little bit. Go, you're not going to believe this. I think we'll have uh, geek girls in space. Let's make that happen. Because actually, Gemma is an alumni from CoFirst as well. So no, she's yeah. fab. She's fab. Yeah. Cool. So astronaut, which is amazing, yes. and definitely uh, you know reaching for the stars with that ambition when you're a kid. But how did you go from wanting to be an astronaut and, and kind of loving everything space into yeah. becoming CEO of CoFirst? Yeah. So ultimately, you know, what yeah. is your career journey? What got you here? Gosh, um, I think probably like a lot of people, it was a really non-linear journey. Um, So going back to sort of, you know, back to when I was a kid, I had Meccano kits, I had electronic kits, I had Barbie dolls, I had kind of the whole spectrum of toys. Um, And for me, I think what I really enjoyed was making things and building things. And what that was, I didn't really mind too much, whether it was sewing little dresses for my Barbie dolls because my mum trained as a tailor, or whether it was making radios out of my electronic kits or building um, cars out of Meccano, whatever that was. Um, I really enjoyed you know, imagining something, being able to build that, and then thinking about what I could kind of do with that and you know, having play. Um, that led me to my first set of studies when I went to uni, which was actually manufacturing engineering. 
and um, very much in that idea of, you know, how do you kind of create things? What do you do with that? How does that thing come together? Um, weirdly, what I found when I was doing engineering was I felt I didn't have enough creativity. So actually, when I finished engineering, I went and did a degree in um, product design and development with a focus on footwear manufacturing. So shoe design and wow. development. Wow, okay. Um, Realised fairly soon uh, that I'd actually done the same course twice because whether or not you're making shoes or aeroplane propellers, actually it's exactly the same process of you know, research, R&D, prototyping, design, um, you know, manufacturing, and then into shipping, to point to sale, all of these kind of things. Um, I think after doing both of those, what I realised was that I really enjoyed the process, you know, the, the, the design and creation thing, but actually it was the thinking about how, why should something be created, which really interested me. So, you know, how is something fit for purpose? Why should, you know, an item be produced, you know, when another one shouldn't be, you know, how should... Uh, something you do compared to the competition how does human need fit into it yeah. um, and really designing products and services for people and how do people use and you know thinking about how do people think about uh, the world that they live around and how do things fit into that uh, was really important for me so uh, off the back of finishing my studies I then went and did first of all actually a grad scheme with Clark's um, so I actually spent a year as a junior footwear, a men's footwear developer, uh, working with Chinese factories, really, really interesting. Um, so flying back to China and sort of, you know, at a time when China was sort of mid-boom, so this was the, the sort of the mid to late 2000s. Um, and then actually got a job in research and strategy. So worked for a company called TNS, uh, who do marketing, research and product strategy. And again, at a really interesting time because uh, mobile was just picking up at that yeah. point. Um, so actually got um, put forward as one of their digital champs, was working in their financial and professional services division. So actually figuring out how do people use digital? How do companies think about digital? What kind of you know, products should they be doing? What kind of channel strategy? What kind of communication strategy? Anything from you know, payment apps through to uh, NFC technology. You know, how do people want to interact with technology and do things around there? As well as all the consumer stuff which comes around that as well. So what do people buy? Why do they buy? Um, you know, what are the kind of different things that you can look at in human behavior and understand how products should fit that? Um, off the back of that, then went to PwC. So joined them uh, first as a research manager uh, and then moved into what they call their thought leadership team, which sounds very Orwellian, but it's basically yeah. thought leadership, yes. Um, but it's basically, I've always thought of it somewhere between a think tank and a marketing function. So it's around looking out at the world through your, through your company's eyes or through your client's eyes and basically saying, look, what's going on? You know, what's interesting? Can we understand this a bit better? And then how does that fit into the types of products and services that we offer our clients? Um, and that was really, really fascinating. And it taught me an awful lot. And I think the combination between TNS and, and PwC from being in a, um, an agency type of function, so you know, running client accounts and you know, managing teams on that side, to working in an internal function where it's much more like running a political campaign. How do you kind of understand people in your company? How do you understand your company? And how do you kind of convert that? Um, into making, you know, driving success for your, for your company. Um, they both taught me an awful lot of things around, I guess, skills on dealing with people, um, which kind of led me on to actually applying for Code First Girls because I think one of the things was I, I'd kept this little, you know, digital pet with me the whole time. So uh, whether that was as a digital champ, champ at TNS or um, at PwC, I worked on a number of projects which involved, let's say, I don't know, data analytics or using... Uh, social media feeds and trying to kind of run 
um, you know, uh, semantic analysis on them or working as a supporter for um, small businesses. So I'd signed up as a small business mentor for Startup Direct. I also worked as a mentor on uh, the Commonwealth Leaders Programme. So it could be anything from helping a tax collection app company who are collecting, you know, apps in Nigeria or something like that. So lots of different things. And I, I think it got to a phase where I realised I really, you know, rather than doing all of these million and one side projects which yeah. involve technology, let me just actually do something which is in the ecosystem. Um, but also, I think going to the point around, I, I realised I really enjoyed helping people grow as well. So I'd worked as a small business mentor. I was a, um, you know, whether it's a digital champ, whether it was a graduate manager, whether it was um, a sort of a small business advisor, whatever that context, I really enjoyed helping people think through how do you grow, develop, you know, whether it's your business or yourself. And so the opportunity to actually work on CodeFest Girls and help that to grow, for me, was really exciting. Um, and I really, I, you know, I, I don't think I could have picked a better company to join. Um, it's been a hugely rewarding last 18 months and I'm, I'm still learning and still loving it. So, yeah, that's my journey through. That's amazing. You, like, you, when you sent over your bio and I was reading through, I was just like, gosh, she's done so much. <laughs> this is one accomplished lady. And, and I love that, you know, you, that you just said you're 18 months in at Code First Girls, but mm. you just said that you're still learning. Absolutely. Which I've, I think everyone that I've spoken to, that's yeah. a, a key thing, yeah. right? If you're in a role and you're still learning, then yeah. there's value and yeah. it's rewarding. If yeah. that disappears, yeah. then yeah. time yeah. for something new. Yeah. I mean, curiosity is such a critical thing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as an ex-qualified quant researcher, for me, as far as I'm concerned, if I'm not asking questions, I'm not doing my job. Um, and that's kind of how, you know, for me, how I how I kind of continue to drive interest, but also continue to drive growth. It's like you keep asking questions around how can we do things better? What do people need? You know, how is this fitting in with what we're kind of trying to do with our company? And it's a constant evolutionary process. You know, there's not, there's no way to sort of sit and just say, okay, my job is done, because frankly, then that's when I retire to the Bahamas or something <laughs> like that, you know. Um, but yes. Well, that would be nice. <laughs> that would be nice, yeah, yes. <laughs> She looking says, out the window. Out window. <laughs> so in terms of the, the role that you do now, you know, we just discussed learning and that's great, but is there like one core thing that you absolutely just love about your job? I think the, the bit which I, I take a great deal of satisfaction with is looking at the growth of Code First Girls almost as almost as a challenge. So what is it that, you know, we're a mission-led organisation. We want to help get more women into tech and entrepreneurship and abstract that mission from everything else and just say, look, what are the different ways that we can achieve that? And I really enjoy the thinking and the strategy behind sort of approaching, okay, let's, let's see how do we kind of tackle that? What are the different ways that we can do that, that we've either done before, but also what are other people doing? What's no one ever done? Um, and where are we kind of, you know, thinking about that sort of business strategy part? And then working to actually implement that, roll that out, get my hands dirty behind, you know, the actual um, sort of administration of that. Yeah. And then kind of, you know, looking at it a year on, 18 months, two years, whatever it is, and seeing that grow. It's like, it's like gardening, um, except I, I prefer businesses to plants. I'm not very good with plants. <laughs> but yes. We discussed this a little bit earlier, but um, like I find more and more through what I do here at Seed Camp and also through Geek Girl as well, is that you do end up getting a lot of people just generally asking you, like, how do I hire more women? Mm, or mm. how do I get more women into tech? Yeah. Like the big overarching yeah. question. Yeah. So we said, uh, kind of moving forward through the podcast, that we're going to ask everyone to come up with kind of like one key 
big bit of advice because I know with this type of topic we could go on for hours about how to try and fix it as much as possible but for you what would your one key bit of advice be to any say it's a company organization that's trying to hire more female talent yeah um it is a really complicated issue Mm -hmm. um there are lots of things you can do and I one thing I firmly believe is it's not just around addressing women, it's about addressing companies and all of that side of things. Yeah. But if we're looking at women specifically, the biggest challenge to overcome is lack of understanding, I, I think. Yeah. And this is for the, the women who come to us, come to us because they've kind of had this little inkling, right? They see these things going on. Um, they often don't know the specifics. They're not quite sure, you know, how to get involved, why to get involved. But they have a little, there's a little thread and they, they start pulling it. And the most effective thing that we do at Code First Girls isn't actually even the, the teaching. Because I always say that, you know, if I could even teach someone everything they needed to know today, it would be out of date tomorrow. What I can do is get people excited about technology, help them to see the potential in the industry, help them to see that potential in themselves. So for anyone in companies, you know, get out there, share your people, expose these these amazing careers to the types of people that you want and take a punt, you know, because there are incredibly bright people out there. They just don't know how to apply that intellect to you. Yeah. And that's what it is. It, you know, when people talk about the types of skills that you need to become, uh, whether it's a developer or analyst, you know, an, an, an analyst or whatever the other careers are within technology, it's not that these skills don't exist in women. It's just that they're applying those skills elsewhere. Yeah. Um, so it's about sort of showing them and saying, okay, you know, you've got, you know, a great, um, you know, logical mind. You're great at processing things, or you're good at, you know, managing multiple tasks, or you you actually have a real, you know, eye for detail. Okay, so how do you apply those things to the types of careers? Have you thought about data analytics? Have you thought about project management? Have you thought about, you know, becoming a developer? And I think that's the biggest thing, you know, actually helping people to see what the opportunities are available. And there is nothing better than getting, uh, you know, 200 women in a room together and saying, look, this is what you can do. This is what, this is the way that you can stimulate your mind and apply that to the types of industries that we're desperate for people in. Um, So, yeah. That's what I would say. Okay, now I'm going to flip it. Mm. So not necessarily the organisations mm. and mm. all that, but you know, always like to ask like, as a as a woman, right? Talk to me. Yeah. I need help in my career. All yeah. The time. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. What yeah. would your what was your kind of general one big piece of career advice that you would give to anyone yeah. in their career that you've kind of learned in your own so far? Learn to code. Learn to code. And I know I know yeah. that's that sounds very self serving, and it's not around. Everyone should be a developer because um, I, you know, I'm, I'm not a developer myself. I know how to code, but it's true. It would be a weird place if everyone was a developer, right? We know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But when you think about technology, when you think about the web, when you think about the internet, this is the fiber of what holds our planet together at the moment, right? Um, it is the 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 foundation of how we communicate, of how we do business of um, everything that we run, especially when you're looking at sort of, you know, Western Europe or, you know, globally, whatever it is, the opportunities going forward will be in technology. So this is like learning a language which ties everyone together. It's not around necessarily even becoming a technologist or a developer, but just understanding the fundamental things which hold our world together and, and not being afraid of that. Yeah. Because it allows you to then have conversations with people where you actually understand how things fit together. 
Um, so even if you don't want to become, you know, work in the industry, understand the basics. Because whether you work in, you know, design, music, uh, banking, finance, technology, whatever it is, technology plays a role in that. Yeah. Um, and that for me is kind of, you know, fundamental skill set. It's, it's, uh, it's like learning mathematics these days. Okay. So if I want to learn to code, which I do, yes. um, how would I go about getting involved in Code First Girls? We lots of different ways. So if you're between the ages of either 18 to 23 or within two years of finishing your studies or currently studying. No, I'm out. Right. Yeah, that, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> but for those, you can actually join for our free courses, right? Okay. If you are outside of that as a woman, you can join for our paid courses. So we have our Code First Professionals courses. The next one actually, uh, next cohort starts in uh, 29th of June, I think it is. They run for eight weeks, one evening a week um, and in central London at the moment. Uh, and we, we have the most incredible people to join for that. I mean, we've had um, lawyers, theatre managers, di- marketing directors, uh, people working in SEO, whatever the, the fields. And all of them are women who are currently working and sort of thinking, actually, I need to understand a little bit about this. Whether it's for their roles itself or whether they're buying those, purchases, uh, buying those services from other people. Um, and it's a really supportive community. And I would say, you know, actually people get as much from their peers who join on that as they do from us because you're meeting other people who are going on the same journey with you you're yeah. learning together and then they continue to support each other after they've left us so we have alumni who set up coding and cake on sunday afternoons or they'll do projects together or set up businesses together so yeah. you know come and do it with people who are who are as excited about you know the learning opportunities available and learn from each other um, and that's one of the strong things about code first girls is whatever we do our community is at the heart of that because that's effectively what we build everything else on yeah now, as we've mentioned earlier, Gemma, who did the first podcast, yes. is a Co-First Girls graduate. She is, she is. She is alumni. Um, but, you know, is there anyone else that's that's been a part of the course that you've just looked at afterwards and gone, wow, like, you've done so amazingly well and kind of had that, like, like proud little... There are so moment. many. Um, so we had one of our alumni who I met, actually, um, she came for our cybersecurity event. And um, she's a, a young woman from Turkey. Um, and she came up to me and she was like, Amali, I, I, you know, we've never met before. I did the course recently at Level 39. Um, and I wanted to give you something. And she hands me this book. And she hadn't done any coding before. She was working. She's studying at the moment. She was doing um, economics, I think it was. And um, she's written a book on fintech. And she hands me this book. Wow. And it's like, this is your copy. I've just written this book on fintech. And it's just like, oh, my God. Um, so that, that kind of thing is very exciting. We've yeah. had alumni who, we had one actually in uh, this January just gone. She was one of our very early alumni. She's just joined NASA as a robotics intern. Wow. Um, we had That's another, amazing. I know, very exciting. We yeah. had um, another one who actually, you might have met Georgie Barrett, who's um, yeah. you know, a journalist yeah. as well. And she's sort of doing amazing things, um, sort of, you know, discussing things around technology as well. Um, we have alumni who have gone on to become digital trainers. We have alumni who have gone to work on, uh, let's say, cybersecurity accounts at advertising companies. We have others who are developers. Um, and what's amazing is when you look at their history, so about a third of our cohort have a STEM background of some sort. About a third of them are arts and humanities, and about a third of them are social sciences, right? Yeah. So, for example, our previous uh, programs manager, um, Clarice Hilton, She's now at UCL doing a master's in computer science, having done a philosophy degree. So all of these kind of stories which we come up with where people are just going on and doing some incredible things. 
Um, and what always amazes me is how quickly that change can occur. So I know a lot of people talk about, oh, we need to get into our kids and, you know, address things when they're little. It's true. That's the best way of doing it because you've then got, you know, a 15-year pipeline to kind of work on it. But actually, we can see people going from zero tech experience to being, you know, junior devs in the space of one year, 18 months. Um, so, you know, there is, there is absolutely nothing to lose from having a pop and it is never too late. Um, something which actually I think our, one of our previous interns would definitely agree because she taught her, I think she was 83-year-old grandmother, how to do HTML and CSS. She then became a prolific blogger. Um, and then she's actually, she went back last Christmas to India because that's where her family is and she taught her grandma Ruby. That's so amazing. she's, you know, it's, it's really never too late to learn. Um, I was impressed when my granddad got Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so if I, uh, for anyone who's listening, you know, where's the best place to go and find out more information? What's your web address? www.codefirstgirls.org.uk. Um, so yes. Perfect. So I'm going to skip back to you <laughs> um, uh, and move away from Code First Girls for a little bit. So a couple of other questions we love to ask are, you know, what are you reading? What are you listening to? What are you digesting on a, a daily basis or weekly basis kind yeah. of inspire you yeah. con- constantly? Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a, a sort of a ravenous reader. Um, it tends to be an awful lot of fiction and sci-fi because, you know, for me, that's my you know, take my brain away from everything and kind of I tend to sort of shut away. So I'm in the middle of this space opera series, which is really, <laughs> it's, it's ridiculously addictive. Um, I think it's called something like Spinward Fringe or something like that, right? And there are nine books. I'm on the ninth now. They're about a thousand, a thousand pages each. So wow. I've basically just gone through a dissertation worth of <laughs> sci-fi. It's basically like trying to get through Game of Thrones. It, it, it really is. Yeah. It really is. Um, but it's, it's also really dangerous because I find myself just staying up really late reading and then thinking, Marley, you're a grown-up, go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I love fiction and, and, you know, whether that's sci-fi or, you know, one of my, um, you know, all-time favourites was uh, Master and Margarita by Mikhail Bulgakov. So anything which kind of involves imagination and sort of people creating worlds and that side of things, um, I, I really enjoy. Um, I do read sort of non-fiction as well and, you know, whether it's magazines, it's sort of, you know, I don't know, economist, new scientist... Um, I read a lot online, um, so yeah, and I tend to just continuously read whatever I can kind of get my hands on. Yeah. Um, but yeah. No, that's yeah, that's a good thing to do. What about? Like, uh, doesn't have to be an individual, mm. but any people that you may know them personally, that you may have just kind of watched them from mm. afar, like I do with multiple people mm. I stalk on Twitter. But you know, is there someone that you kind of find has been a bit of an inspiration for you in your career? Um, I, I think two people, probably not um, two personal people, actually, um, and both of them were teachers who I had previously. So one was um, a guy called Dr. Nick Quick, who was one of my engineering professors, and he was the kind of the stereotype of a slightly mad inventor, always wore a dicky bow, and he would tell stories like they were, you know, he was an industrial designer, so they would design things like, I don't know, garden shears and those kind of things. And he would tell stories about, for example, testing the garden shears. And this was at Birmingham Uni, where they would go to the top of the bell tower and throw the shears off the bell tower to see if they landed and broke. But it was kind of, you know, he's really slightly sort of, you know, very eccentric um, individuals. But, you know, really inspirational and very um, sort of nurturing as far as helping people to see the excitement in how you, you know, create things and, you know, test things and that, and that process. 
and actually a, a sort of a similar, in a weird way, similar type of character, um, a woman named um, Sue Saunders, who basically heads up the um, the Cordwainers footwear program at uh, London College of Fashion, but she also was the head of the Royal College footwear uh, uh, program as well. But um, for her, she was, she took a punt on me, which was, um, you know, a little bit weirdly unexpected. So when I changed from engineering to do footwear design, again, it was this kind of, I had the corner of a thread and I started pulling and I wasn't quite sure about, you know, why I wanted to do this, but I kind of thought, this is what I want to, I think this is going to fulfill me in that way. And I remember turning up to the first interview um, to get onto the, the course and she kind of looked through my stuff and she was like, I can, I can kind of see something here, but I don't, I'm not sure if you've quite sort of, you know, you need to develop a little bit more. So go away, do some short courses and these kind of things. And she gave me some other advice. Um, so I went away and did that and came back and she looked at it and it was like, okay, you're ready now. We'll put you on this. Um, and she continued to kind of support. So pretty much anyone who does anything in footwear in the UK has either come across Sue or worked under Sue. She is one of the most inspirational people. And she is a community builder. Yeah. So she builds people up. She supports people through their growth. And then they kind of give back. And for me, that was a really instrumental lesson in the value of give and take. Yeah. And it's not around just giving unquestionably, right? But it's about investing in people, right? And, and through that investment that you build something which is then stronger. Because, for example, you know, Sue helps people to grow, right? And then when they grow... She knows that she can drop them a line and say, hi, folks, you know, I've got a young student here, really promising. They're looking for something in, you know, in London or in Birmingham, whatever that is. Anyone got any opportunities? And they give back. Yeah. So this, you know, building that cycle of, of support, um, and that's something which I continue to take with me now uh, in Cofest Girls as well. Yeah, I think that's a, a great thing. So we, we kind of, you know, very much a similar attitude at mm. Geek Girl. And even I think I just generally have mm. it in life. Mm. is that whole idea mm. of you just... I just give yeah. like, as yeah. much as possible. Yeah. Actually, when I so I recently was at the next web conference and um, Gary Vaynerchuk mm-hmm. did a talk, and he proportioned it as fifty one forty nine. Yeah. yeah. So you give, 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 and I think a lot of people within the tech ecosystem try are pretty good at kind of yeah. sticking to that rule. You yeah. always kind of give forward. Yeah. And then occasionally, you know, yeah. right now I can, yeah. I can, yeah. Yeah. It sounds terrible to say the word leverage, but you know, we've got but that it, relationship yeah. and yeah. I can now ask something of you and it'll be fine. Yeah. And it, it's almost a barter system. And exactly. actually for Code First Girls, this is, I think actually probably a, a real cornerstone of what we do. So, you know, we, we deliver a lot for free. We get a lot for free, but the reason I think we work is because everyone who we ask for something, we try and give something back as well. Yeah. So for example, you know, we have all of our community courses, so the free courses we run for young women, are taught by volunteers, right? But when we get our paid work, whether that's be corporate or our professionals work, they're the first ones that we approach to say, do you want some freelance work, right? So there's a quid pro quo there, yeah. right? And there's trust, because you've built that trust already in the relationship. Um, and even then, you know, for example, when we get opportunities to speak or where people are looking for, you know, uh, certain types of developers or whatever, we then offer that again to our community of instructors and say, hi, folks, we've had these opportunities come through. Any of you interested? So we try to build that um, sort of give and take into our model as well, which means that we get to do an awful lot more than we would do if we were just buying or selling or even just more than if we were just doing stuff for free. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. 
Cool. Well, I think that brings us to the end of, uh, of this chat, which, you know... Thank I, you, Kathy. I always love these things because I feel like I could go on for like another two <laughs> hours, but I realise that the listeners might go, oh, God. I'm kind of bored of it now. Oh, I've, got, I've got to check my mail. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the important thing, so obviously we said where everyone can go to find out more about yes. Code First Girls, but yes. where can people uh, follow you, get in touch with you? What yes. are you happy to share? Would love people to keep informed. Um, so you can follow us on Twitter. We're at Code First Girls. Very, very simple. Um, or do go and check out our website. So www.codefirstgirls.org.uk. We do have Facebook groups as well. And we even have a LinkedIn. Uh, but I can't remember the, ex- the exact extensions. But if you type in Code First Girls, you'll come yeah, up. It will probably come up. It'll yeah. come up. <laughs> yes, yes. And if they want to follow you on Twitter? Amali underscore D. Perfect. Amali, thank you very much for joining me for Geek Girl Meets. Uh, Now for a quick, quick update on Geek Girl Meetup UK. So folks, if you haven't already, go sign up to our newsletter at geekgirlmeetup.co.uk. We have another meetup coming up very soon and I can tell you it is the one where tickets will fly out within five minutes because it's at Shoreditch House. Um, But we're going to be looking at hardware specifically, but how to apply lean startup principles to hardware, how to keep it lean in a very expensive environment. So please go sign up there. Follow us on Twitter at GGMUK. Follow us on Facebook at Geek Girl Meetup UK. And very soon we will be announcing the next Geek Girl Conference. Ooh. Exciting. Yay. <laughs> uh, and Amali can tell you all about that because she spoke <laughs> at the last one. Um, which also reminds me, if you want to, Amali's chat from our conference is available on YouTube. Exciting. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, I'll put the link to that below. Uh, but until next time, bye.